Good morning. It is so good to be together on the Lord's Day. We are glad that you are here, especially if you're visiting. We're thankful for your presence and ask that you'll be back tonight as we continue our worship at 6 o'clock. A word of explanation is probably due because of my Facebook post last night. I have been asked about it repeatedly this morning. I set up late last night to study, and Sherry had gone to bed, and I have a standing chair that will actually make me completely erect, and it helps me, um, helps blood flow and things like that. But in order to do that, it is spring-loaded. And so when I got ready to get out of that chair back into my regular chair at 1.30 in the morning, it um, wasn't locked down, and it catapulted me onto the floor. And um, there was a huge crash, and it woke Sherry up. And so um, at that point, the blood was pumping, and the, the adrenaline was going. And uh, I got very little sleep last night because of that. And I posted about it on Facebook, and someone posted, I would have really liked to have seen that. <laughs> and so... I got to thinking, I've got a camera in the living room, and I pulled it up, and sure enough, I've got the video of it. So um, it's interesting because I hit the ground and bounced and hit it again. So, um, But being the, the dad that I am, I got in the bed and I told Sherry, I feel like singing, I'll fly away. So <laughs> I do want to mention one other thing before I get started this morning. There is a young man who is in Bethesda right now. Uh, I mentioned him to you recently. His name is Devin Grove, and uh, he is an individual that uh, I met just recently. He gave permission to share his story. Devin was recently shot, and as a result of that, it has nicked his spinal cord, and it has left him a paraplegic. But not only is he a paraplegic, he is in worse condition than I am. He currently can't even use his hands, and he can barely move his arms. Because of that, um, I've been over and visiting with him on a weekly basis. He is interested in studying. We're going to get together uh, this week and do that. And uh, some folks here have sent cards to him, and he mentioned to me the other night uh, in a very happy way. I've received cards from people at your church. And so that made a very good impression on him. So we've got his address. I think we sent it out the other day. Uh, he is a good prospect. His girlfriend also, they are very eager to study. So if you would like to send a card to this young man, he is a super, super nice young man. I believe he's in his mid-20s, 25 years old. Uh, you can get the address, and please send him that and encourage him, and I'll tell you some more about him as time goes on. There is a story that is told about a man in ancient Greece who killed himself through envy. This man was a great athlete, and in the city in which the man lived, the citizens had erected a statue to honor not him, but another athlete who happened to be this man's rival. And this man's envy ate at him. And every time he saw the statue, his uh, stomach would just churn, and he vowed that he would destroy that statue. 
And so each night in the cloak of darkness, the man would come in with a hammer and a chisel, and he would chisel at the base of the statue, trying to undermine its base and ultimately cause it to fall. One night he succeeded, and it did fall, and it fell right on him and killed him. And he was destroyed by his own envy. Job chapter 5 and verse 2 says, Envy slays the simple one. That is, envy will kill a man. Now, this last Lord's Day, we talked about pride. This morning, we're going to talk about envy. Envy shares something with pride, and that is the fact that they both are a characteristic that no one else can see except the one who is experiencing it. You can be raging on the inside with envy. It can be eating you alive, just like pride, and no one else knows it. And so, like pride, it's a secret thing, but it's a deadly thing that you keep all to yourself, or mostly to yourself, unless your envy causes you to talk to your friends and, and leak out this poisonous uh, feeling that you have inside. A few years ago, there was a survey done in the Discipleship Journal, which is a religious magazine, in which they asked their readers what were their greatest areas of spiritual challenges. These are the top on their list. Number one, they said materialism. Number two was pride. Number three was self-centeredness. Number four was laziness. Number five and six, there was a tie. Number five was anger and bitterness. Number six, sexual lust. Number seven, envy. Number eight, gluttony. I'm surprised that was so far down on the list. But number nine is lying. But the one of particular interest to us today is number seven, and that is that spiritually-minded people said that envy was in the top of their list of their greatest challenges. It was interesting to me because as I was preparing for this sermon and looking for illustrations on envy, I was surprised how many illustrations there were about preachers who said they were envious of other preachers. This seems to be a real issue for preachers. Socrates wrote about envy. He said, envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison, a quicksilver, which consumes the flesh and dries up the marrow of the bones. Shakespeare referred to envy as the green-eyed monster. Men have classified it amongst the seven deadly sins, and the Bible describes it as a work of the flesh that men are to avoid. Envy is a sin that I guess everyone has committed from the very young to the very old, from the rich to the poor, from the great to the small. And of course, Christians are not immune to envy. In fact, it is possible that a man could live a good moral life in many ways and yet have envy in his heart that could cause him to lose his soul. Now, when we see the universal nature of envy... When you consider the fact that it could cost me my immortal soul, I think you can appreciate that it's timely. It's important that we spend time examining this subject to see what the Bible has to say about it. Number one, let's talk about the seriousness of this subject. I'm afraid that when we think about envy, it just doesn't rank high up there as a sin of magnitude. 
We think it's just not that big a deal. But, oh, we are mistaken. Envy is a sin of a very serious nature. You know, first consider this. Sometimes people think, you know, we need to preach about loving the Lord, loving God, loving Jesus. But the Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And one of the commandments is that we are to keep ourselves holy and free from sin. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 4, the Bible says, Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? That is, if someone's angry at you, they may take it out, and it is aggressive. But, oh, that's nothing compared to what envy will bring. In Galatians chapter 5, envy is listed as a work of the flesh. In fact, I want you to listen to the group into which the Lord placed envy. Listen to its companion sins. He says, now the works of the flesh are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, and such like. And the verse goes on to say, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, Galatians 5 says that envy can keep me out of heaven. And I also want you to notice that the Bible specifically forbids this. It calls it out. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 Christians are told, lay aside the sin of envy. Galatians 5 and verse 26 says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. In Romans chapter 1, envy is listed as being a characteristic of a people who have left God. Romans 1.29. James describes envy as devilish. James 3, 13 through 17, Matthew, 28 and ver- Matthew 27 and verse 18, the Bible says that envy is one of the sins that crucified Jesus. Friends, envy is not something to be dismissed lightly. And think about this, it is a sin that leads to hatred. It brings about murder and causes men to lose their soul. In light of all these things, I want to examine my heart to be sure that this vice is not there that would cause me to miss my eternal reward. Do I have it? Let's define it. What is envy? Someone said envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. That's very interesting to think about it that way. The dictionary defines envy this way. Discontent or ill will at another's good fortune because one wishes that it had been his. Dislike for a person who has what one wants. And then it goes on to say, envy implies resentment, jealousy, or even hatred directed toward them. This is the Bible definition. Vine's Expository Bible Dictionary defines the word envy. It says, envy is the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage or prosperity of others. And then it makes this distinction. It, it, it distinguishes between envy and jealousy. Sometimes we use those words the same, but it says they're not the same. It says the distinction lies in this. Envy desires to deprive another of what he has. Jealousy desires to have the same sort of thing for itself. And so jealousy says, I wish I had that too. 
Envy says, I want to take that away from him and have it for myself. Thomas Aquinas put it very simply. He said, envy is sorrow at another man's good. And listen to this statement by Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal was a very famous atheist. He said, whenever a friend succeeds, a little something in me dies. That is an excellent definition of envy. When a friend succeeds, something in me dies. Illustrations of envy in the Bible. Think about Genesis chapter 30. The Bible says that Rachel envied Leah, her sister, because Leah was barren, or because Rachel was barren, and Leah was the mother of several children. She wanted to have children. She couldn't. Her sister could. The Bible says she was envious. Genesis chapter 26, the Philistines envied Isaac because he had possession of flocks and, and herds and a great store of servants, and so they looked at him. They were envious. What about envy in our own day? You know, if I look at myself, I might find it there. Were you perfectly happy living in a two-bedroom house with vinyl siding until your best friend bought a two-story brick house with a three-car garage? All of a sudden, you had some envy. You weren't satisfied. Did you enjoy driving your several-year-old Chevrolet until one of your brothers bought a Mercedes-Benz? All of a sudden, it stirred up something within, within you. What does envy do? What envy does? Number one, envy destroys an individual. Socrates said, envy consumes the flesh and dries up the marrow of the bones. Antithenes of ancient wrote, as iron is eaten away by rust, so the envious are consumed of their own passion. He said, you think about what uh, rust does to metal, it just consumes it. He said, that's what envy does to a person. The Bible describes envy this way. Proverbs 14.30 says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is a rottenness of the bones. The Bible says, as leprosy is to the outer flesh, that is what envy is to the spiritual being. It consumes you. Ultimately, it will destroy you. Again, Job 5 and verse 2, it, uh, Job says, envy slays the simple one. The King James says, the silly one. There is an old story about an eagle who was envious of another eagle because he could fly better than he could. One day, this bird saw an archer, a sportsman, with a bow and arrow, and he said to him, I wish you would shoot down that other eagle. And the archer said, well, I would if I had a feather for my, for my arrow. So the envious eagle pulled one out of his wing, and he handed it to the archer, and the arrow was shot, but it didn't quite reach the rival bird because he was flying too high. And so the first eagle pulled out another feather and then another until he had lost so many feathers he couldn't fly. And the archer took advantage of the situation and he turned around and he killed the helpless bird. And so is the case with envy. The one that you hurt the most by your actions is not the other person, it will be yourself. And so some folks become so jealous and so envious of others that it consumes them. Their envy becomes the master of their lives. 
It determines why they live. My purpose in life is to get a bigger house, to drive a nicer car, to have a better this or a grander that, and they lose their souls because of envy. Number two, envy will rob one of his happiness. It will steal the very joy out of his life. You know, in the Bible, you remember King Ahab. The Bible, or someone has said, you can't be envious and happy at the same time. Now, here's King Ahab. King Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. Naboth was next door to him. But Naboth didn't want to sell it to him. But Ahab really wanted it because it was right next to his property. The Bible says it was hard by the palace of King Ahab. And so in 1 Kings 21, the king goes to Naboth and he says, Give me thy vineyard that I might have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near to my house, and I will give you a better vineyard. And if it seemed good to you, I'll give you money for it. But Naboth said, No, this land is the inheritance of my father's. I can't do that. Listen to 1 Kings 21 and verse 4. He wanted it so badly, but Naboth wouldn't let him have it. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word of Naboth the Jezreelite, because he had spoken to him and said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And the king laid down upon his bed, and he turned his face, and he would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife, came in and said to him, why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said to her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and I said, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. You see what has happened? This man's happiness has been stolen away by his jealousy, by his envy, his desire to have what Naboth had. The Bible says he wouldn't even eat because of it. Now, you remember what Jezebel ended up doing. They, uh, hey, they came up with a scheme to kill him, lie about him, put him to death, and take his vineyard. But the Bible says he wouldn't eat. Horace wrote, the envious man grows thin at another's prosperity. Ahab literally wouldn't eat because of it. How about the elder brother in Luke chapter 15? You remember when the younger brother, we call him the prodigal son, the younger brother comes home. Was the elder brother happy that his, son, that his brother was home? No, he wasn't happy, not hardly. The Bible says when he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and celebration, he called one of his fellow servants and he asked what this meant. And the servant said, Thy brother has come home and thy father has killed the fatted calf. And verse 28 says, And he was angry and he would not go in. Why was he angry? He was angry because of his envy. When his father came out, he says to his father, you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends, but you did it for him. You see, his envy was getting, he was jealous, he was envious of his own brother. In Genesis chapter 30, the Bible says about the envy that Rachel had for her sister Leah, because she could have children, but she was barren. Verse 1 says, Rachel envied her sister, and she said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. That is, she was so miserable, she said, If I can't have children, I, I might as well just die. I don't even want to live. We could go on and on with examples, but the point is, if a person lets their envy consume them, it will steal the joy and happiness from their lives. Next, what will envy do? It leads to other sins. Socrates said, envy is the author of murder 
and revenge and the begetter of secret sins, oftentimes envy is a seed that grows into other sins. Let me give you some examples of this from the Bible. In Genesis chapter 4, what started as envy ended up in murder. Remember, Cain murdered his brother Abel because of envy. In Genesis chapter 37, there is a story about envy amongst brothers. It started with the coat of many colors. Jacob gave his son Joseph a coat of many colors. And verse 4 says, And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the, the brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. When you get to the New Testament, Acts chapter 7 and verse 9 says, Because of their envy, they lied to their father and they sold Joseph into slavery. Numbers chapter 16, because of envy, Korah, Datham, and Abiram rebelled against Moses in the wilderness. 1 Kings chapter 18, because of envy, Saul hunted David and he tried to take his life. Mark chapter 15, at the trial of Jesus, Pilate asked the Jews, Will you release, will, will you that I release unto you Jesus, the King of the Jews? Verse 10 says, For he knew that the chief priest delivered Jesus unto him because of envy. You see, envy leads to other sins. Envy leads to hate. It leads some people to steal, and it causes some people to murder. What will envy do? Envy will cause you to lose your soul. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, Those who do such will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 32 says that those who are envious are worthy of death. Prince, we need to remember Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14 says, At the judgment bar of God, God will bring every secret thing into judgment. That means every thought of my heart, Every secret envy, every jealousy, it's all going to be brought out. And I'm going to give answer in that day. Romans 14, 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now somebody says, all right, I get it. This is serious. What do I do about it? I certainly don't want to lose my soul because of this. Let's talk about the remedy for envy, and we'll wrap up. Number one, if you've got a problem with envy, work on developing love in your heart toward your fellow man. Now, you might remember when we talked about pride, this was the first point in overcoming pride. Develop love in your heart toward your fellow man. Why? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love does not envy. You know, you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and you go down the list, and you study the description of love, you make a conscious effort to grow in that, and you'll overcome envy. Now, why is that? Think about a mother. A mother loves her child, and so she never experiences envy or discomfort when good comes to her child. Why? Because she loves him. She rejoices when her child prospers because she loves him. If I can get to where I love my neighbor that way, then I'm not going to feel envy. You know, the second greatest commandment in the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 39. If I will obey that command, envy will be laid to rest forever. Next, 
If I want to overcome envy, I need to learn to be content with what I have. Now, why is that? Because envy at the root is a discontentment because of what I don't have. Because good came to somebody else, and I wish that I had it. Brethren, one thing we need to do to overcome envy is to learn to be content with what I have instead of wanting what others have. You know, Philippians 4 and verse 11, Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I want you to appreciate the fact that Paul said he had to learn it. That's something he had to develop in his life. I need to be content with what I have instead of always looking at someone else and thinking, I wish I have what they have, or I wish I were them, or I wish I had their qualities. If they've got good qualities, seek to develop those qualities. There's a poem that says, I wonder if the poppy shows the slightest envy of the rose, or if the pansy wastes its time regretting that it cannot climb. Do blossoms of a yellow hue complain because they are not blue? Do birds which God designed to sing envy the wild duck's fleeter wing? Does the spasm sadly mourn because it was not a goldfinch born? I cannot say, but I fancy not. Each seems contented with his lot. Tis only the man that thinks that he, some other man, would rather be. Next, what is the remedy for envy? I need to die to myself. I want you to think about this for a minute. Is there any doubt in your mind that envy is linked to selfishness? Friends, the envious person is pained to see good come to another because he is so tied up in himself. He is worried about me, 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 me. And our society says that's good. But if we're going to overcome envy, and if we're going to go to heaven, we've got to die to self. Isn't that what the Lord said, Matthew 16, 24? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. That is, I have died to self. Next, remedy for envy, make the good of others a goal in your life. It is hard to be envious of others when what you want is their good. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's prosperity. Philippians 2 and verse 3, And lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And here's the last point. To remedy envy, walk in the Spirit. In other words, let the revelation of the Holy Spirit be your guide in life. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Envy is one of the works of the flesh, Galatians 5.21. But what this verse is saying is, when you will obey the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that is, you take the Bible, you add it to your heart, and you practice those things, and you will overcome envy. Friends, Envy will destroy an individual. It will rob him of his happiness. It leads to hate, murder, and other sins. And ultimately, it can cause me to lose my soul. But we can overcome it if we will love our fellow man, seek his goodness, deny ourselves, and walk according to the Spirit of God. I love a thing that's fine, even when it's not mine. And though it never mine can be, yet it still delights and gladdens me.
Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. We want to extend the Lord's invitation to you so that you can know what to do to become a child of God. The Bible teaches to be a Christian. You need to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Maybe this morning through your study, you're aware of what you need to do, and you want us to assist you, baptize you into Christ this morning. We would be delighted to do that. Maybe you're here as a child of God and you've got sin in your life, and maybe this morning you need to repent in a public way, and we would be delighted if we could go to God and pray on your behalf. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.